us this perfect love casteth out fear. I shared this morning an illustration a number of years ago. I took some teenagers, I was a youth pastor, I took some teenagers on their senior trip up to Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. We went to an amusement place called uh, Wonderworks, and while we were inside there, they had this rope course that went up 40 or 50 feet in the air. And uh, you wear a harness. And back then I was a little skinnier than I am now. And uh, I remember standing there on the floor thinking, that's no big deal. That's, that's a piece of cake. Because you got this harness. You got this, it's riding in a, a steel I-beam rail above you. And you can hold on to this thing as much as you want to or as little as you want to. You see these kids running along these things 30 feet in the air about ready to fall off. And they don't even hold on to the strap. I thought, there's nothing, man, there's no, there is no safety issue with that at all. That is perfectly safe, and if you fall, it's going to catch you. And so, you know what, you can trust that harness and that rope course. And so I got into that thing, and about the first 15 or 20 feet, 30 feet, however far it was, I did really good. But as I got higher and higher, and the danger seemingly in my mind increased, my fear began to overcome my faith in that. And I got to a place up there on the top where I stepped out onto a couple of these swinging steps that were moving around. And I remember going out onto that second one and I, I froze. I'd never had a paralyzing. It, the idea of, of you, know, you see these people that freeze in fear, I had never had that before in my life, ever. I've never had it since. But I looked down and I, for some reason I thought, if I take another step, it's going to kill me. My heart is racing in my chest. I start breathing fast. I thought they were going to have to send somebody up to get me down. I didn't think I could turn around and get back to the stand. Because the fear that I had caused my faith to dwindle. Can I tell you this? I'm thankful that God has a perfect love that casts out my fear and allows me to have faith. I can trust God with my soul and have no fear that He's going to save it. I can put my faith in Him and have no question in my mind that I'm going to go to heaven when I die. You say, Brother Greg, how do you know that? Because He's promised me that in His Word. And unless God is lying to me, then that holds true and I can put my faith in it. When the Bible tells me that God loves me with an everlasting love, that causes my fear to diminish. That allows my faith to grow. When the Bible tells me that He's given His own Son to die in my place, that gives me an awful lot of faith. I'll tell you, a lot of people know about God. A lot of people know what He's done on Calvary. And a lot of people say, well, I believe God's able to. But the truth is, we're still relying on what we can do to get ourselves to heaven oftentimes. We still try to do enough good works to make it to heaven. And even though we believe that God can save us, we don't trust Him. We don't put our faith in Him. We don't say, God, I can't do it. So I'm just going to trust you to do it. I'm going to put my faith in what you've done already for me. The price that was paid. The debt that I owed that I could never pay. You paid it for me. You redeemed me. I remember years ago walking into a pawn shop. And I wanted to learn how to play the banjo of all things. I was from down south. You know, you got to play a banjo if you're from down south. And so I walked in there, and they had a banjo in there. And somebody had pawned it. 
they had gotten a, a loan against the value of that. And within a certain number of days, they were supposed to come and pay that back with interest, and then they would get their, their item back. You would say if somebody did that, that they redeemed it. They bought it back. That person didn't buy that banjo back, and so the pawn shop sold it to me. I got a good deal on it. Can I tell you this? I'm glad God did not do like that man did and allow us to sit there on the shelf and be bought by someone else. But he came and he bought us back. He redeemed us. He paid the price so that he could have us. The Bible says that a man who will put his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus said it this way. He said, the Father's put him in the palm of my hand. And no man can pluck him out of my hand. He said, I and my Father are one, and no man can pluck them out of my Father's hand. I'm thankful that God loved me with an everlasting love. He gave me the, the, the hope of heaven and saying, I know I can be saved. I know I can trust Him for my salvation. I can't do it. I wish I could. But God knew, I think, that if we had done it, we'd be very proud about it. We'd lift ourselves up and exalt ourselves and say, boy, look at me. I'm a good person. And I've earned my way to heaven. I'm thankful that God made it in such a way that I have to come to Him with the spirit of humility and say, God, I can't do it. I can't do it. I remember walking that rope course, and I'll tell you what was so embarrassing to me in that time period. I looked up above me, and I saw these little kids, seven, eight, nine years old, skipping around up there above me about 10 or 15 feet higher. And they weren't even holding on to their harness. They didn't even care. You know why? Because they had childlike faith. They just didn't help but think, if I fall, that thing's going to catch me. That's the kind of faith I need to have. I need to have the kind of faith that says, when I sin, and I know I will, God's still going to catch me. He's still going to redeem me because I've put my faith in Him for my security. I've put my faith in Him for heaven, not myself. Look with me, if you will, in Romans chapter number 8. Romans chapter number 8, verse number 35. I love this. Let's back up to verse 31. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him so also freely give us all things? Why in the world does the world look at God and think so negatively of him? This is a God who's loved us. This is a God who gave everything for us. This is a God who gave us His Son. And the Bible says here that those that, that He's given Him for, He said, why would He not give us freely all things? And some reason we get in our minds before we trust Him as our Savior that God is our enemy. God is the one that loves us. God's the one that came to deliver us from the condemnation we were already in. God's the one that came to give us a way of escape from hell, not to send us to hell. We were already heading that way because of our sin. God gave us a way of escape. Some people look at God and think He's some mean, vicious, vindictive fellow that sins and punishes those in hell for sinning. Can I tell you this? We did that ourselves. God came to deliver us from that. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Verse number 34. Who is he that condemneth? 
Is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation, or distresses, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can I tell you this? If you're here today, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, and you think ill of God, can I tell you, He loves you. There's nothing that can separate you from His love. There's not enough bad you can do in this world that would cause Him to say, I no longer love that person. He still loves you. I don't care how bad of a person you think of throughout history. I don't care how bad they are. God loved him. God loved him. And His desire was that they would get saved, that they would trust Him as their Savior. Allow Him to come in and clean up the inside. We don't get clean in order to get saved. We get saved and then God cleans us. I'm thankful the Bible says that His blood washes away our sin. I'm thankful it's a covering. The Bible tells us, if we look and just turn over a few more pages, we've got a few more verses to look at. Keep your Bibles handy. Ephesians chapter number 3. Ephesians chapter number 3. Verse number 14. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, whose love? God's love. May be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and depth and, think, and length and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto Him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus, throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. And Paul said, listen, this is the God who saves you. This is the God who works in you, exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, by the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's so many people that I've talked to over the years that refuse, refuse to take God at His Word and accept the love that He's given to them and the gift that He's given to them of eternal life. They refuse to trust Him with their life, with their soul, and to ask Him for forgiveness of their sin. They refuse. And all they're doing is rejecting the greatest love that anyone has ever had for him. I've heard people say, I don't believe a loving God would send anyone to hell, and I fully, fully agree with that. I believe that a loving God, if He loves us the way that He tells us He does in Scripture, I think that God would do everything He could 
to give us a way of escape. I think he would go so far as to take his only begotten son and let him die in our place. By the way, that's what he did. I'll be honest with you. I've got a 14-year-old boy sitting in that booth right back there today. And I love you guys a lot, but there's not one of you that I would sacrifice him for. Not one. I love you, but not like I love him. But God did. And I tell you, that's some kind of love. That's a love, to be real honest with you, I can't fully understand. I'm thankful for it. But I don't know that I can understand that kind of love. Just a few more verses, if you will. Look with me in Luke chapter number 19. Luke chapter number 19. In Luke chapter 19 and verse number 10, the Bible says, For the Son of Man, this is speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Uh, a few weeks ago we had the opportunity of taking some lunch to uh, the firefighters over here in Mapaville. Got to spend some time with some real-life heroes men that put their lives on the line to save others. Some of them were disabled in the line of duty over there. Can I tell you this? They, they go to houses that are burning. And one of the things they told us while we were there, they said we have children's stickers that you can put on your windows at the house. And what they are is they're a sticker that the Mapleville Police Department or Fire Department will give you to put on the bedroom window of the kids in your house. The reason they do that is so when they come on, on scene, if there's a fire in there or some kind of uh, a problem, a tragedy going on in the house, they can look up and know which window they need to go into to save the kid. I cannot imagine them arriving on the scene and seeing a fire looking up and seeing a window, and there's a child up there in that window, and them saying, well, I would go save them, but I'm worried that they would be offended. No, they just want to be saved. Jesus said, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He didn't come to bring us to the point of being lost. We were already there. He came to seek us and to save us. Can I tell you this? That's, that's a love I don't understand. I'm grateful for it. In Romans chapter number 10 and verse number 13, the Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We've talked about this before. There was a time when the disciples were going across the Sea of Galilee and the great storm arose and Jesus was sleeping down in the hold of the ship. The disciples cried out to him, Save us, we perish. One of the shortest prayers. But what were they doing? 
They were crying out to God. They were crying out to the Lord Jesus Christ and saying, we cannot save ourselves. We're in a situation where if you don't do something, we will perish. Can I tell you, that's faith. That's the point where we get in our lives when we put our trust in Him and say, Lord, save me, I perish. If you don't do it, then I'm lost. The boat's going down. The waves are too great. The wind is too strong. God, if you don't do it, then I'm going to perish. Can I tell you, that's salvation. There's a lot of people that believe in God. They believe He exists. They believe the Bible to be the Word of God. They believe that there are commandments we ought to live by and rules that God gives us in Scripture and they try to live the best they can. They try to do good to their neighbors, try to help them and be kind to them. All the time thinking, if I do all these things, God will let me into heaven. Can I tell you, we need to get to the place the disciples were. To look around us at the sea of life and realize, realize that if Jesus does not save us, we will perish. We can't do it. We can't do it. My question to us today, and I don't care how long you've gone to church, I really don't. I was a pastor's son. I grew up in church and I was 13 years old. I had sat in so many messages by the time I was 13. Can I tell you this? I still had not put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. If I had died before that time, I would have still died a preacher's son, sitting in a pew of a church, listening week after week to a man preach from the Bible. I would have died and gone to hell. Not because God sent me there, but because I had not put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I had not trusted Him to save me. I had not cried out to Him. I had not said, Lord, save me. I perish. Can I encourage you today? If we're trying to live a good enough life, we're not going to make it. It's not going to happen. I'm not trying to be unkind to you. I'm trying to tell you the truth. Because the one thing that would tear my heart out in eternity would be if I stood here before you today and said, if you live a good enough life, you'll make it to heaven. And stand there in heaven and for God to say, Greg, you told them the wrong thing and now they've got to go to hell. I want to make sure I'm telling you the truth. Because I've got to give an account one day. I've got to stand before God one day for what I preach from this pulpit. It better be the truth. It better be right. Can I tell you this? God wants nothing more, nothing more than for you to trust Him, to put your faith in Him, to make certain that you're saved. And it's not by doing good works. It's not by joining Keith Heights Baptist Church. I'll be honest with you. We'd love to have you here. We love folks here. But if you join this church thinking that's going to get you to heaven, you're going to be, gone, you're going to be sadly mistaken. It's not going to get you there. Somebody gets saved and wants to get baptized, I'm thrilled to baptize them. Glad to. 
It's the first step of obedience that we ought to do when we get saved. But if you've gotten baptized and you said, I'm going to go to heaven because I got baptized, you're not going to make it. To get to the place where we understand. We realize if God doesn't save me, I'm lost. To get to the place where I say, Lord, save me, I perish. I hope you've done that today. If you're here today and you say, boy, I've never done that. Never had that moment where I've put my faith in the Lord. I've tried a lot of things. Tried to live a good life. Can I tell you, you can do that today. You can't spurn God's love enough to get Him to quit loving you. He told Jeremiah, he said, I've loved you with an everlasting love. I don't care how bad a person gets. I don't care how far into life they get. I've seen people up in years on their deathbed in the hospitals trust Christ as their Savior moments before they got saved. And guess what? God saved them. I've seen kids get saved and have their entire life before them. And they trust Christ as their Savior, and guess what? God saved them. Can I tell you this? I don't care how far along you are in life. I don't care what other things you've tried. There's one thing that is needful. To say, Lord, save me. I perish. To get to that place, I'm saying, Lord, I can't trust anything else. I'm just trusting you. I hope you've done that today. If you're here and you're saved We can rejoice in what God's done for us, can't we? (coughs) He told John, These things have I written unto you, that you may know that you have eternal life. I'm glad when I lay my head down at night time, I don't have to fear if I die during my sleep. I don't have to have anxiety about what's going to happen the next day. I know that I'm saved. I'll tell you this, I'm concerned about the condition of our world today. I am. I'm concerned about it. But I'm not worried about it one bit because I know I'm saved. If God takes me by death, I told somebody the other day, you know, the worst that can happen, I go to heaven. How is that bad? I'll be honest with you. There's some days I kind of wish it was happening. (laughs) Been there before. I hope you're saved today. Can I encourage you in this? Don't put it off another day. We're not guaranteed another breath. We're not. I'd hate for somebody to say, boy, that's, that's true, Pastor. I see it. I understand it from Scripture. God's told us that. And one day, one day I'll do that. Can I tell you this? You don't know when that next day is going to be. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. I've seen too many people that woke up in the morning that they died. Get ready for work or get ready for church. Eat breakfast, go about their day just like any other day, not knowing that before the sun set that day they would be in eternity. I've seen too many of them. I've had some of my teenagers that I was their youth pastor. Too many of them. They made it to heaven before I did. They woke up that morning. I'm thinking of a young man right now. 
Walking home from work, he had the third shift job, 4 o'clock in the morning, got struck by a car, killed. I'm thinking of one of my teenage girls just now. She was newly married, had a couple of young kids, went to the gym to work out. And less than 24 hours later, was in heaven. Didn't, didn't, didn't have an idea in the world that she only had a day left. If she had, she may have done things differently. Maybe hugged her kids a little tighter, maybe given them another kiss, told her she loved them. We don't know. I would encourage you. If you're here today, you say, Brother Greg, I've, I've never trusted Christ as my Savior. I've, I'm living a good life. I'm hoping that will get it. Can I tell you, today's the day. Don't wait another day. You just don't know. You just don't know. If you're here today, you're a Christian. You say, boy, I know I've trusted Christ as my Savior. Can we rejoice in that today? I'll tell you, there's nothing greater. There's no greater joy in the heart of a person. There's no greater peace. I almost preached, and we may do it in the 1 o'clock hour, I almost preached on John chapter 16, the peace that God brings to our hearts. Oh, I'll tell you, I'm thankful that I know that I'm saved on my way to heaven. I hope you know that today too. If not, would you do that today? Would you put your faith and trust in Him? And if you do that, there's a moment where you say, yes, I'm going to trust Christ as my Savior. I'm going to put my faith in Him. Would you make sure you let me know about that? In just a moment, we're going to give an invitation, give people an opportunity to come forward if they'd like to. They can pray here at the altar. They can pray on the front seat. Or you can pray in your own chair. If you need someone to pray with you, we'll be glad to pray with you. If you need somebody to explain a little further about how to be saved, We'll be glad to take the Bible and show you how you can be saved today. Let's stand together, shall we, with heads bowed, please, and eyes closed. And if God has spoken to your heart today, perhaps you'd come. Maybe as a Christian, we just want to come and thank Him and rejoice in what He's done for us. If we're here today and we're lost, we don't know that if we died right now, we'd go to heaven. We've never put our faith in Him. We've never cried out to Him and said, Lord, I perish. Save me. And perhaps today would be that day you would do that. Father, we pray that you'll bless your word. May your Holy Spirit work in hearts. Lord, I don't know if anyone here today, if anyone needs to hear this message. But certainly as your people, we rejoice in hearing it. And if there is someone here today that needed to hear that, someone that's never put their faith in you, they've tried all these other things, they've depended on all these other things to get them to heaven. Lord, I pray that you'd help today to be the day that they put their faith, their trust in you, to depend upon you. I pray that you bless the invitation time, and Lord, use it as you would see fit. May your Holy Spirit have free reign and free course in the hearts of men. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.